Hello, and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by three friends who love cinema. I'm Nathan, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Gus and Alvaro. Tonight, you'll be seeing in room 140, Get Out, the film debut by one of the newest masters of horror, Jordan Peele. So go ahead, get comfortable, and throw on that Do Not Disturb sign as we get out with Get Out. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! you sunken people thank you for checking back in the grand cinema hotel as always if you're listening on youtube smash that like button forward this link to your friends if you're listening on any of the podcast listening apps subscribe for notifications so you know when we drop the newest heat and with that being said i'm back it's been a few weeks i had a lot going on i have absolutely missed this so much um i'm honestly kind of sad no not even kind of i am sad that i missed the nope episode I'm a little sad I missed the Yes episode, but no, I'm really happy to be back. Miss speaking into this microphone. Um, and yeah, I'm ready to crush this shit with you guys. It's good to be back. Yeah, man, you're back in the chair, in the captain's seat. I had to sit over there the other day. That's weird. Why yeah. would you do that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it was just a weird dynamic. I had to, I had to sit over there. I, I don't know. on the floor, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it feels really good to have you back. We definitely missed you. I felt like we were, I really missed you during the Us episode. I know you would have had some interesting things to say. I did have some flame to throw at that shit, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I'm just really glad you're back. It doesn't feel right when it's just the two of us. Yeah. Although I think we do give, we gave a really good show in the Nope one. Yeah, you guys crushed I it. Do, I just think that it's like, come on, this is a three-man show. You guys did miss did. some very integral, but I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> biggest hater is actually our co-host. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now from an outsider's perspective, huh? This show fucking sucks. Right? <laughs> oh, I carry this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it really is good to be back. Um, just touching on the two movies I missed, Nope was a masterpiece, I thought. Loved it. Um, us really good movie as well there's a lot of plot holes i'm i know you guys got into that a little bit so i'll leave it at that but go see nope if you still haven't it's in theaters that movie is the shit so even though you didn't get to really um talk about the two movies i think since we're at the end of the trilogy we can rank them at the end Mm -hmm. and we'll really give you your time to shine or also i was even thinking too it'd be cool to do a a separate episode just talking about like all the summer's movies and kind of throw these in there too nope as well give you a chance to just Go yeah, off on that'd nope. be perfect because I do have some things to say about that movie. I know, and I'm sure you have a way different perspective than we do too. Potentially, yeah. Um, but I'm ready to get into Get Out. Yeah, let's, I'm ready to let's get, get in, in to Get you. Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, bro, do you remember if we saw this movie together for the first time? We did. I oh, you don't. You're not sure either. No, you know, to be honest, I don't remember where. I can't seem to remember when I first saw this movie. I think. I think we did. I'm pretty sure. It feels like it's that time. It's 2017, so I feel like it's that time so. when we were going to the movies, basically, together every single time we went. But uh, what would you say your first reaction was to this movie? Were you excited for it? Did you see trailers for it? Or I don't think I saw trailers for this movie. I think this movie um, 
just came into my radar just that it was coming up, you know, in terms of... It became popular so fast. Yeah, I, I can't seem to remember because I wasn't too active, I feel like, on social media yet, like on Twitter. Like now, anything that's kind of hyped up, I see on Twitter a couple of weeks before, maybe months before. But for Get Out, I can't seem to remember being too, like, any knowing the trailer or knowing really what it was about. I just kind of was... I think we were kind of talking about this a little before the podcast, before we would kind of watch anything at one point. Yeah. And I think that just happened to be one of the things that we were like, okay, let's watch this. And when I walked out, I just, it just felt like I had watched something that was really, really good. It felt different than anything I had seen that, that year specifically. And then I think it really put me on the radar to find out who wrote, who, like, who directed this, who wrote this. And it's one of those movies that I think really pushed to me that a movie could be just more than what you're watching and they could, you know, it could comment on, it could have social commentary, a horror movie, and and just done really, really well. And that kind of put Jordan Peele on the map for me. And Were you a Keen Peele fan? I watched it. I wouldn't say I was like, I know all of them. There's a lot I haven't seen, but there's skits that I, that I, that I enjoy, yeah. What about you, Nate? Um, that's one of the main reasons why I was super excited when Get Out came out, was because I've been a fan of Jordan Peele and, like, you know, in, um... Jesus Christ, Keegan Michael Key, since they were on Mad TV. Like, I used to watch that all the time. And then when they transitioned to Key and Peele, you know, I watched that a lot. Like, I really liked that show. And then to see that he was going to do something that was so out of his element almost, um, it just, it excited me. Um, and especially not knowing what this movie was really going to be about. Like, I think that's what he does really well is all his trailers and promo and all the shit for his movies. You're not really sure what they're going to be about. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of get like an idea, but it's always a surprise. I felt that way for all three of his movies so far. Um, so yeah, I've been a fan of his and then to see him absolutely crush something as hard as he did and make me feel so guilty. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was phenomenal. I think I saw, I don't remember if I saw my brother or some of my friends, but we were all just like, holy shit. Like that was, that was one of the best movies I've seen in a while. So um, I wouldn't say I was like a huge Jordan Peele fan before this. I had seen Keen Peele, like Alvaro. Um, I was like, that's really funny. But I just think at the time I wasn't that into comedy. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't really paying attention to like who the new up and comers were. And I remember before Get Out, there was that movie Keanu about the cat. It's kind of like yeah. John Wick. Yeah. Uh, John Wick came out later and then it was almost like, wow, they made that movie Keanu and it's kind of the same thing. But <laughs> um, I just know after that, he was, I heard he was going to write and direct his own movie. I had seen the trailer um, when it was floating around, and I didn't know that it was a Jordan Peele movie, but then when I saw it written and directed by Jordan Peele, I was like, that's really interesting, because I can't really think of too many other people, and maybe I'm just not educated on this, but I can't think of too many other comedians who have turned horror director. Yeah. I've, I know comedians have become directors before, but never like this. And uh, I just remember thinking, like, that's such an interesting shift in your career. Because I kind of thought after Key and Peele, like, he'll probably just make, like, whatever comedy movies, right. like, in the Will Ferrell type of vein, exactly. right? But uh, I just, this kind of just caught me so off guard. So I was interested even just off that aspect. And then the trailer, I mean, if you had seen the trailer at the time, I remember thinking, like, how, like, what, what the fuck am I, what is this, you know? Is it supposed to be funny? Is it a scary movie? Like, I didn't really know what was going on. And then that first viewing just being completely blown away, especially when you get into that reveal later yeah, on. Just like, what the hell? How did somebody think of this? I remember thinking, like, this is one of the most original things I've ever seen. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I actually haven't seen it too many times. I think this is only my third time watching it. 
And I think what happens for me is when a movie's that good, I want to keep it that fresh memory in my head. So I don't want to watch it again for a very long time because every time I do watch it, I want it to be like the first time again. I feel that. So this was my third time watching it and I loved it even more than I did the first time. I think I wanted to say though too, what feels very lightning in a bottle about this movie is that when it came out, it seemed to comment on things that were so perfect in the moment. You know, yeah. it was addressing things that were prevalent issues at the time. And now it kind it's of still feels hard, like it. Yeah. And there still are, but that's like, um, I felt like that's when he used his perspective of being a black American and kind of brought something that nobody had ever imagined, or maybe imagined, maybe, we don't know, but no one had ever gone ahead and directed something like in that fleshed way. out like And then did, you yeah. have a, basically, I think, I know we're going to get into this, but Daniel Kaluuya brings so much of also, I feel like, his own personal experiences into this, specifically not being... He's talked about not being given roles, and Jordan Peele kind of gave him his breakout role here, and I think he does such a great job here, and it really portrays, I guess, these themes of black America that we're not really shown in film before this, honestly. I think it's always really addressed, and we've talked about this, I think, in the other two episodes, that there's a really big issue with how many slave movies there are, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, we get it, but then they're, they're also... We live in an era now where everybody or at least it's an attempt to, it's kind of equal now. There's a there's an equal venue for us, and so now there's stories about Latino Americans that are just the same as stories that Steven Spielberg would write. Yeah, especially with, like, the younger generation, I feel like. Exactly. I, oh, uh, I feel like Jordan Peele really opened that door with Get Out because yeah. Hollywood, for better or worse, is a copycat industry. Mm-hmm. So there's been quite a few shows and other movies that kind of try to fit into the Get Out vein. Um there was a, there was literally a, you after us came out there was a show called them you know yeah. what i mean and it wasn't exactly the same uh concept but it was kind of going off the same themes so i feel like jordan peele has really opened a door to shine a light on these issues exactly. that we weren't seeing before in movies which yeah like we had talked about with like how many slave movies there are or um making these movies about black people that are just tragic and horrible mm-hmm. and never shining a light on them and one thing we really liked about us was the portrayal of the family yeah and showing that uh showing that there is like really no difference a family is a family story no matter what race they are right and i've seen jordan peele talking about showing these things because he had never seen them before right and now that he has shown them we're starting to see drips of it trickle out into the industry more and more and like alvaro said it's creating a lot more chances that we didn't get before. You see things like Abbott Elementary. Yeah. You know, and that comes from, I think Get Out kind of started that is a great point to like what I was getting to get into is I, he just opened that door. You know, I was watching an interview with him that he did at UCLA um, after Get Out had uh, released and he was talking about there's been times in history where there's like a black fascination in the film world. So like you get like the 80s and the 90s with like Spike Lee and you have, uh, who was the other director he said? Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, John Singleton. So, like, you know, yeah, like, Boys in the Hood. And then you get, like, you know, you get these movies like Menace to Society, yeah. right? You have you have stars like Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, um, Chris Tucker, right? Just mm-hmm. being very prevalent. You have Will Smith. You have The Martin Show and all these, you know, wonderful shows and pieces of entertainment. And then for a while, it just disappeared. 
And he feels like with Get Out and other directors that we had mentioned, like Ryan Coogler and Ava DuVernay, and we haven't mentioned him yet, but F. Gary Gray, he's made mm-hmm. some of the Fast and Furious movies, um, we're kind of in that time again. And I think it hasn't, sto- it hasn't stopped or slowed down since, yeah. since Get Out. Yeah, you know yeah, what exactly. I mean? I feel like it has really just changed the film industry as well. And it's, it's really amazing that Jordan Peele had this much power with his first movie. Exactly. Like, this is like a 10th movie power, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like crazy. We've been talking about him being a lot like Spielberg, like having this director power and being this household name so early into your career. And we think he's the fucking man. I mean, I feel no, like all is. of us think yeah, that, right? it really is. And something I want to bring up, you said that earlier when you are talking, is like the shift from comedy to horror. And those are like two genres that I feel like are almost kind of like intertwined. Like a lot of comedy movies you have elements of horror, a lot of horror yeah. you have elements of mm-hmm. comedy. And it's basically what I see it as. It's just like the tone. You know what I mean? Like a comedy movie could be a horror just based on the tone. Like this movie, like if yeah. it, you could, it could very easily be like a Dave Chappelle skit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the racial draft or something like that. But it's because of the way that he presents it and the tone behind it that just makes it what it is. And I just think that's really interesting. So I feel like his, you know, his uh, coming up, coming up doing comedy, like really primed him and set him up for doing these really gnarly horror things because a lot of those skits that they do are so out there and stuff that you would never even really think about you know what i mean that's true and so in order to like do that he uses like his comedy background and his sketch background to make these gnarly scenarios and situations that like i would never fucking think about you know whether that's not because of who i am in my you know my background but it's just it's impressive and i think that really has like paved the ground for him to do what he's doing now so i know you you said you were a key and peel fan mm-hmm. do you remember the uh, this is one of the few sketches that i've seen and really stuck out to me was the racist zombies yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh would, would you go back and you watch that skit i feel like you could see it there mm-hmm. you're like oh my god this is like kind of the groundwork for some of the stuff he's gonna do because exactly. like you said these movies even though it's a horror and it's got these social elements they still have some really funny shit in all of them like i feel like that's something not that he's trying to escape but he can never escape you know what i mean like i'm sure he still loves being hilarious to these days and having these funny one-liners or funny situations in his movies but to have that tonal shift and for it to work so smoothly because it's not really something that works all of the time no and i don't think it's even comedy it's just humor yeah exactly. and it's the humor of the unknown of like the what the fuck am i looking at you and know? that's what makes the movie to me even more realistic like rod in this movie like his Not friend now. like that's super realistic like what the fuck is going on man like what yeah. are you doing like and it's stuff like that that just really brings it home and even in open us like there are aspects of you know that not even comedy but like you said humor that just makes the world feel feel way more realistic mm-hmm. and i feel like that makes the horror even so much scarier you know what I mean? Yep. Or, or the psychological horror behind it just feel It gives it more weight, I feel like. So. See, I knew Nate had some good shit to say. <laughs> I knew that. I missed this fucking It's good to be back. <laughs> like, I don't have to say anything because I just agree with everything that he's saying. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that I might have forgotten to bring up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's a great point. I will say that another thing this movie did that I was thinking about in retrospect was it put Bloomhouse in a position where they were respected because they still use to this day that like the production that the, the, the company that brought you get out you know what i mean it's on still, any bad movie they make now. on yeah. any of those movies the, not that they're all bad we had saying. one yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. like let me remind you jason bloom produced get out prestige yeah. <laughs> but i do i do love also that monkey paw yeah. uses still the cup from get out 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and I, I just think even that it's the inception of monkey paws, the exception of who knows what that's gonna bring to us in the future and it all comes from this movie. Like, this is where it started, mm-hmm. yeah. Like and that's that why I think it's just it's just a perfect movie. I, I feel like Jordan Peele has lived every creator's dream <laughs> yeah. of like the first thing I make that's gonna be on my own is gonna be so fucking good. Yeah. It's like Kanye West's first album or something like that, yeah. or like Jay-Z's first album, like, or Michael Jordan's cool. rookie year or something, where you're like, I'm the fucking man, dude. Yeah, like, oh, and then just yeah. like, everybody's like, yes, sir, you are the fucking so, man. <laughs> he, he brought this up, I think, in the Nope episode, that uh, a guy got flamed on Twitter for saying that like we should already start respecting Jordan Peele for having the greatest track record of any horror director of all time. And, and Jordan Peele replied to this with, I will not take disrespect to John Carpenter like this. He's like, get off your phone. And then, but then Gus is saying, he's like, when you see somebody else getting flamed for an opinion that you also share, like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> I said one of. But, but I do think, in, in all honesty with that, because I know we love John Carpenter, too. John Carpenter did not start like this, either. No. Like, where his first film was, I mean, it's Dark Star. Dark Star is no, there's nothing. It's good. It's okay. Yeah. It's good. You know, but it's not this it's not for us to be we'll talk about it more towards the end but for it to be still one of the best or if not the best of the three and that's like for for a lot of people their first film is like their entry to getting a lot better right but it's like the fact that this film was such lightning in a bottle everything that it did it's just amazing that your first film is like a nationwide success and something that I thought was interesting is, like, I've I've watched a lot of his interviews, like, not even recently, but just because I've been a fan of Jordan Peele and I like the way that he speaks. I think he's pretty intelligent, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I was watching it after Get Out came out, and they were interviewing him. They were talking about, like, how the fuck did you switch from comedy to horror? How are you so successful in this? And he basically said, I thought it was really funny, he's like, you know what? He's like, I honestly just kind of stopped smoking weed and started taking things seriously. <laughs> and I was like, damn, bro, the shade has been thrown. But I honestly just thought that was funny. It's like, you know, he's like, I, I just sat down and took my ideas and like, you know, really, uh, you know, fleshed them out. So I thought that was interesting. I, I do love his interviews as well. I feel like what you said about him being intelligent is like so obvious to the movies yeah. he makes. But also um, intelligent in being a film lover. Like, it's mm-hmm. so obvious that this guy loves movies and yeah, watches a shit ton of movies. And uh, inspiration is not something I want to talk about yet. Uh, I want to save that for later. Mm-hmm. But we have talked about that Jordan Peele's movies, although they're extremely original, you can see the love for other things. And much like Quentin Tarantino or Wes Anderson or somebody like that, it's just that love that they have for filmmaking that it just... it. It's just it's just so different when you can tell that someone really loves yeah. their stuff. And I think another reason his interviews are so great is because he is so open about his movies. I, mean, I love watching PTA talk and listening to him, but he's not as open about anything as Jordan Peele would be. You know, it's like, oh, or someone like David Lynch be like, I, no, I will not answer yeah, what like, this movie there is, is there about. There is, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I like that uh, it's almost like Professor Jordan Peele. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. let me tell you how I did this. Let me show you how I did this because... I just think, I think it's cool that he loves his own movies too. He doesn't act like, oh, I, I don't watch them or I don't really want to talk about. No, he's them. like, this is awesome. Like, I made this. Like, I love this. It's got to be that film fan dream of like, I was a yeah. fan for so long and now I'm the fucking guy. Like, and you just amazing. Yeah, and you're talking about how like you can see, you know, where he got a lot of his ideas from, not because of what his movies are about, but because how he directs them and you know some choices he makes. Like, you can't ignore your inspiration. You know, and I, I like that his is a lot more subtle than some other directors, you know, maybe mm-hmm. like Tarantino. Um, but yeah, it's incredible, honestly. 
Uh, I think it's time to talk about the cast. Yeah, dude. Yeah, this wow. is one of the best acting performances. Wow, um, so many phenomenal performances. With, with our main character, Daniel Kaluuya. Fantastic performance. At this point, he's goaded, man. Oscar nominated. Yeah. Uh, it, it, watching this movie, it made me think. I'm like, I think this guy's probably the best working actor. Um, I think he's in my top three, and I think my I would say my top three are Adam Driver, Daniel Kaluuya, and I want to say Pats, but I've just been loving what Andrew Garfield has been doing the past couple years, and I think he's a little underrated now. Spider Man. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was in this little movie called No Way Home. I don't know. Guys, wait, was that was that what it was called? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but uh, you know the, the one with the Spider Man. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I think it'd probably be tied between Pattinson and Andrew Garfield. But I really like Andrew Garfield. But Daniel Kaluuya is easily one of the best actors. And uh, I did want to bring this up, so I'll tie it in here. We've talked about the Oscars before a lot, right? And sometimes they get it completely wrong, right? But this is one of those times where they got it so right, and this is what... This is what they're good for, is taking a movie like Get Out, a director like Jordan Peele, an actor like Daniel Kaluuya, and elevating it to the masses, making it international, you know what I mean? It's a worldwide thing. It becomes so much bigger than the little $4.5 million movie that it is. Mm -hmm. And I do think that Oscar success for Jordan Peele and Daniel Kaluuya is one of the reasons why they have so much power right now in Hollywood. Um... And it's well deserved. This is Absolutely. like yes, you guys got it right. Everything about this is right. <laughs> like the one time. So uh, I, I mean, we. I want to talk about the cast. I want to talk about Daniel Kaluuya, but I had to tie that in before we kept going. Um, what did you think about his performance the first time you saw it? Did you know much about him? I didn't know. Had you seen that Black Mirror episode? I have seen the Black Mirror episode. That's the only thing that I knew him from, um, and I was just honestly so surprised. Like I mean, because you know he's your he's the one that's taking you through the story. Like you're writing through his perspective, basically. And I just, you know, he, I don't know, just to see his transformation from, like, you know, cordial and, like, trying to be accepting to just him, like, devolving into who the fuck are you, you know what I mean? Like, he did an incredible job, I thought. I love him in this movie. Yeah, the, 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 his push meter throughout the movie. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you can see term. it becoming red. It starts off green, he's completely cool, calm, collected. He understands the situation he's in. He's like, this is going to be awkward. I'm going to be the only black person there. Probably the only person of color there. Um, I already know how this goes. I mean, if you are a minority or a person of color, you know exactly how this goes. You're like, this is probably going to be weird. (laughs) But I'm going to power through and hopefully they're nice. Um, So to see this type of character and and then the performance that Daniel Kaluuya gives. So, so fucking good. And it... Doesn't this movie feel kind of obvious in retrospect? Like, why had they never made a movie like this before? Yeah. Yeah, almost, yeah. But I, I just think it goes back to that. The black experience wasn't being broadcasted to a, a movie, you know, a cinema. And between the community, I'm sure this has been something. Like, you talked about, like, people, person of color. Everybody in the person of color who's in this situation has felt this awkwardness. But how about we elevate it to there is something wrong? Yeah. There's a reason why you should be good. Like, One of the things I had heard Jordan Peele say was that it's not that he's saying that this is realistic. Like, obviously, this is highly dramatized and yeah, genre filmmaking. Please, please, be fake. But that it is that, you know, that, that fear of, like, what if I had this idea and, like you said, and they completely flesh it out to the craziest scenario I could think of. And one of the ways he described it is, was like, 
the friend who smokes too much weed and they start saying this crazy shit, but then you're like, you know, one out of five times they say something that's true. That's actually right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, what if this was that one out of five times, yep. right? Yeah. Um, and I think that brings us to our character, Rod, his best friend. Lil Rel. Lil Rel gives a wonderful performance in this movie. It's so fucking funny. And I do think that he is also kind of a point of view character, but it's yeah. through the audience's eyes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Any horror fan or anybody who watches a shit ton of movies will know that you'll yell at the screen, you'll talk to your friend. Like, how many times have me and Alvaro been sitting there and be like, why would you go in there? Why well, would you do so, that? Right? So, and that is the, yeah. that's what we get from Lil Rel in this movie. And I was reading, when I was doing research about this, that's why Jordan Peele called this movie Get Out. It's because he said it's in reference to how black people watch horror movies, and they're like yelling yeah. at the screen, like, get out! And so yeah. he decided to name the whole movie that. And something else about Lil Rel is what I thought was really impressive is pretty much 100% of his lines were ad-lib. No way, really? Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't either. I hadn't heard that in any uh, interviews or anything. I, like I, I saw it on, I, well, I saw it on IMDb Trivia, so who knows how true oh. <laughs> For right Fake now. Fake news day. <laughs> but, but it does feel like, Yeah, I was going to say it does feel that way because that's the only reason Daniel Kaluuya's character stands out to me too because I had never seen him in anything before this. So this is like every time I still see him in Nope or anything else. We talk about Widows, right? Yeah, and uh, Jesus and Judas and the Black Messiah. I always see him as the guy from Get Out, you know, and it's it's not, usually when you're labeled with something, it's something like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm in better things than that. But this is like the one thing where I'm like, not that this is the, because everything he in, he's in is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's really good, because he elevates it, but this one, it just feels like that perspective is so grounded in realism, like that he acted like a person accordingly, you know, like you guys are talking about, like he's re- just a really cool guy and he understands what's going on for the most part. But from one second to another, he doesn't. And that's why his, like, Little Rose character, it's like, they're, they're from the same community. So that is how a black person would act in the situation. Like, no, I'm going to call my friend. Like, and I'm going to tell him what's up. And then they're going to probably give me advice on what's good. And he put the idea in his head. Like, you need to get out of there. Sex slave, you know? <laughs> and, see, and then that's where the comedy element comes. Because that's, that's what you would expect. That's the realism that you would expect. Not that you would expect this crazy thing that's actually going on with the coagula, right? Yeah. Hail the coagula. <laughs> and I think that's why these characters are, are so just... They still are part of... We talked about how Us might be his, his best cast. But this, like, it's just the fact that him specifically... Um, Daniel Kaluuya carries so much of this movie in that it's almost like he's carrying the black point of view from this one character which is such a heavy weight to carry but he just does it so well yeah I mean he's just that good of an actor um I, I think what's really tragic about his character is that he's suspicious of this before they even leave the house and then yeah. for it to be true is just so like it's so sad yeah um <laughs> I just watching it this third time and just how I still only wrote before the pod that what I love about this movie is that although it is so complicated and layered, its script is very um, like it's economical. You know what I mean? Like there's not there's nothing wasted there. Everything is set up and pay off and set up and pay off. And everything that's there in the beginning that Daniel Kaluuya questions, the fact that it ends up being true and it's not. It, there, there's a twist, but it's also it's almost even worse. It, yeah, it's even worse <laughs> yeah. than you were expecting. You know what I mean? So, like, I just think his character is so tragic, and the things you know, the things in his past with yeah. his mother, and obviously this situation that he's going through, and the vulnerability that you start to see on Daniel Kaluuya's face exactly, yeah. the longer he goes on, it's like he's on the verge of breaking down or going psychotic at any second. Mm-hmm. 
And, I mean, we obviously all know why. I yeah. mean, if you just, I think spoilers at this point is probably fine. The movie's five yeah, years yeah. old. Everybody's seen this movie if they I want to see so, it. Yeah. Right? If not, there's probably something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> Racist? <Yeah. laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> but, uh, you know, our, our big twist, our big reveal of what's going on, like you said, the sunken people, the sunken place, um, and that also being part of uh, what Jordan Peele called like the silenced minority, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times feeling like you're just talking to nobody or shouting at a wall when you're um, talking about your experiences. And I do think Daniel Kaluuya just did a great job just kind of bouncing off of what you said. I can't even believe we get such a strong performance out of what could be like an awful movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this is so close to being a Ooh. bad movie if yeah. it was in th- it's someone else's hands exactly. you know what it I mean it can very easily just be like a B movie another you know Bloomhouse movie yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say that the image of him crying on that seat is like what it's like so saying. iconic yeah, that's right? what I think about forever. those tears are like they could fill up a room yeah. that's how big they're like and that's how much you know, like that's how vulnerable what he's doing gets him that's how much I guess it'd be like fear and resentment he carries with him because of his mother and like you feel that through for me Daniel Kaluuya's first appearance on screen like on it and it's for this movie and I think it's, it's very hard for me to be like any of his other roles have hit me as much as this one because of what you're talking about there's just so much vulnerability in this character he also takes a lot of different chances like none of his characters are really the same in no. any of the movies he's no, in like no. I mean after this he was in Black Panther yeah. and that's a completely kind of generic character it is. i mean it's it's a bad movie it's it's iconic you know yeah. i'm in black panther make your money yeah be like you know what i mean i'm in black panther i was part of that movie you know that's that that on its own is cool and then you know you have like the queen what is it queen and slim oh yeah which uh you know it's a little different of a role you have judas in the black messiah i love that movie yeah, which is kind of like his denzel doing malcolm x you know what i mean it's like that was his big i'm an actor yeah. even though i feel like get out should have done enough you know what I mean? You get him just being a complete villain in Widows. And I, I know I even think is a way different role. Oh, yeah. Although he's carrying some of the same mannerisms. The coolness. Yeah, that, that sad coolness. That James Dean coolness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I look like I could cry at any moment, but I also look like the coolest person you've ever seen. Because the one scene that they're relatable where I'm like, they would have given the same answer and nope, his character. And this is when um, the brother of Rose, I forget his name. I think it's Jeremy. So. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy. Yeah. He's kind of talking to him about the table about his genetic makeup, and he says all this stuff, and he's like, "Cool, yeah." <laughs> no, nope, that's like the one-liners he gives to everything. He's like, and, and that, and that, nope. in those moments, you can see how much he's holding in, and by saying only cool, it's like, it's I, not know, cool. I know, I know, it, it is very much not, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, when, and when he brought that up right now, about he's like, with your build and your genetic makeup, all I could think of was Django, the science of phrenology. <laughs> I've heard that before. That's some 1800s talk, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know you're trying to compliment me, but this is not, that's not what it's laying down as. He does so much by being reserved, you Mm -hmm. know, like he could, he could lose his shit throughout the whole movie, but he also knows if he loses his shit, he's going to be perceived a certain way. Exactly. You know, it's it's just tough all around for it's, this character. I mean, it's very realistic and almost relatable because I know everybody's been in a situation where they just want to, like, freak out or cry, but you have to be like, I'm good. Like, it's fine. You know what I mean? And But you can see it on somebody's face like, no, it's not okay. So he does a really good job with that. I think we should get into the the family. The, yeah. The Armitage's, Armitage's. Armitage's. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> 
Uh, we'll start with the girlfriend, Rose. Um, She's our, like, I would say main antagonist. I mean, she she really carries this story because without her and her family, they wouldn't have this movie. Yeah. Um, what a predator, dude. She sells it, too. Like, you know the what? first time you watch it, she sells it. You know what I was thinking, though, on this third watch? You don't know shit about her. You really, really don't. You know what I mean? Like, she's a, okay, she's kind of a generic, boring girlfriend character in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. You know, she, she's got to play her little woke role, you know, as, oh, I'm dating a black guy, I'm a white girl. Oh, my family doesn't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, fine. Oh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> Something about that that I was reading that Jordan Peele said is he liked the way that she portrayed the character because he felt like she felt like somebody you would have a crush on at summer camp. And so you saying that I'm like, built different, but that, okay, go off. <laughs> no, like, huh? like you don't know who they are, but you know, but like, oh yeah, I, I, I like this person, but you don't really know who the fuck they are. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, it really didn't hit me though until this third watch. I'm like, you don't know nothing about her except the fact that she's kind of trying to ease the tension of like, well, my family's not racist, or you know, I know what you think, but. Trust yeah. me, it's not like that. Yeah, I feel like if you're saying that, then it's like, well, then they probably are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you have to like, come out here and say that, then like, maybe um, there is an underlying. Yeah, I mean, you don't really know shit about her until the third act, right? And that's where Cheerios. It all starts coming through. <laughs> I got a funny thing about that later. We'll get to that. But uh, you know, I think her family really carries the weight here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like her performance is all that great until we get the big mm-hmm. twist, but. Uh, she felt a little generic to me, yeah, she you was. know, because I'm like, it's not even like she gives these complex lies about her past or her family or anything. She really is just kind of she avoids everything. Yes, very avoiding or avoid. I don't even know avoidable avoiding. Or she's just an avoider. Flow with him, she's too. an avoider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she kind of tries to yeah. go in the flow. With the, oh, you want to leave? Okay, we'll leave. Yeah. Wink. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, you know, our first tip off is their confrontation with the cop, mm-hmm. right? Where you think that oh, okay. You know, she's playing this, her social justice warrior role here. <laughs> Why do you want an ID and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's such a nice sell, right? It is, yeah. Because you think like, oh, that's cool. She said it for her boyfriend. She did the right thing. She called out something that was... Bullshit, ro- yeah. Yeah, that was wrong. I mean, he falls for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. More, more tragedy. More tragedy. Wait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then, like I was saying, with these big reveals at the end, and you realize like... Oh fuck! That's why she was doing yeah, that. Exactly. Like it's just more of that setup and payoff that I was talking about. But uh, when we do meet her family, I feel like this is where the movie really starts to yeah, like flourish her, and grow. With her parents, Dean and Missy, you yeah. can tell that there's something off of them from the get go. Oh yeah, because you know why? The dad, Dude. you know the glasses he wears. Yeah. He's got the anime like sunshade where sometimes <laughs> yeah. you can't see through them. Yeah, and that is not a good yeah. sign. <laughs> yeah, that's like hmm. Yeah, when they draw them and it's just the reflection hitting. You can't see <laughs> yeah, that. exactly. I, exactly like, I feel like, yeah, like when you meet them, like at, right at first, like that's when you get the intro to like, dude, this is weird. This is uncomfortable. Like the dad trying to relate to him with all of his, what is it, like African, yeah. uh, you no, know, no. antiques and stuff like that. I would have voted for Obama a third time. Yeah, like it's just like, okay, like that's <laughs> Best stuff, president of my lifetime. People that don't that people that aren't racist and shit like that don't fucking say that like the people are like oh well my best friend's sister is black and i finally like you say that like it's based on who you are and how you talk to people so that just like lays the groundwork with you know maybe this is not gonna be okay yeah, i know how it looks he's played by uh, bradley whitford yeah he does say that that's so funny yeah. <laughs> um, he's played by bradley whitford i don't know if you guys really know him much but for me he's one of my childhood antagonists because he was the he was uh 
Billy Madison's rival and Billy Madison, yeah. right? He was trying to take over the company. <laughs> so for me, he had always been, I hadn't really seen him in much, but that's something that will stick in my and head Agnes. forever. Yeah, is that he was in Billy Madison. Yeah, I don't trust him. You're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Do the weasel laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because for me, uh, Missy, Catherine, was it Catherine Keener? Catherine yeah, Keener. Catherine Keener. She, I always remember her from 40-year-old version. Yeah, mm, her yeah. eBay store. Yes. Bring it here to post on eBay. Uh, I do want to stick on the dad a little bit because uh, he kind of tries to sell it like he's just this dorky dad. He kind of plays the, like, it's more off of what Nate was saying, like the, I'm a cool I'm, guy. Hey, I'm aware, man. I know social issues. Mm-hmm. I've been, have you ever been to Africa? Oh, you got to go to Africa, right? Like that get he's out. He's the type uh, of dude that wears like a tashiki. It's like, what's up? The, the, the Atlanta episode? The Juneteenth episode oh, at yeah. the white people's house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Much like that, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you got to go to Africa, bro. You have to experience their culture. Um, and like, he even says that too, at one point, he's like to, uh, be able to go into someone else's life and, uh, experience their culture, more of that setup and payoff. Yeah, you know what I mean? The more I watched it, I was like, Oh my God, I have to take notes. This happened, this happened. And so that all pays off, right? Like, foreshadowing moments and metaphors that are given that you honestly like missing the first time, maybe, or maybe you catch them, but then you see like more as they go on. It's just phenomenal like the whole like oh you should like their obsession with him smoking like why is that such a big deal and like oh because you don't have to fuck up his body yeah, like it's exactly. just stuff that's laid out there that when the payoff comes you're just like oh my god but this like, one this third viewing for me it finally hit what the like the connection with, with the deer even too like for the longest time i was like i i get kind of what it's saying but i don't mm, understand nature. it and <laughs> the, yeah, 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 yeah 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 you know how nature is it doesn't care yeah, yeah. i was like, like wait what and like but then now, this time watching, it's like, oh, there's actually, like, there's various ways you can connect the deer. And, like, it's just an overlaying theme there. And not trying to put you on the spot, but can you name them? Because that's not something I had thought about Because, for example, like, he talks about the story of his mom dying on the side of the road. Yeah. Right? Because nobody knew they were looking for her. And, like, he heard the, the fawn crying, and they just left it there. So it's like they could easily have been saved. And they called the cops and everything. And it's like, it just, it's just laid there and died, kind of like how his mom died. It's true. And so then there's also how... Yes, you can see him as the deer being and like in the headlights too, not really knowing like what is going on. So those are like kind of that was like the one that I first thought it was more, kind of more referencing though too, like it was reflecting what was happening to him. But now I kind of see it more as in like that's why he's so guilty about leaving that deer there, or why he was dreaming of it and thinking about it. Yeah. Like we get all those flashbacks later that that fawn's still crying because it's still laying there. It's like you did nothing. Just like you did nothing with your mom. Yeah. So Whew. sick burn. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and, like those are the things that I talk about. Like you don't need those things to understand what's going on in the movie, but they're there. Yeah, exactly. Those themes are there, and and and, and those all just prove to show, like again, his vulnerability and how he's feeling, and they're, they they're there so you can get into his mindset. And I think subconsciously, if you don't even think about it, that's why it works so well. Yeah, I'm wondering if the parents, like, the second they see him, if they wonder if this is going to be easy or not. You know, because, I mean, we probably, uh, they've dealt with many people at this point, True. which is a big reveal later on. Well, when, once we start learning more about Rose and we see how many people have gone through this. Um, what a hoe. <laughs> I, I, I do wonder if the parents, how they viewed him. You know what I mean? Like, is this going to be easy? Was there other people who were a lot tougher to hypnotize and... I don't even know what to call this. Go through the procedure. Um, just because he has that past, you know what I mean? Like him being such a tragic character and then the parents seeing that, and especially Catherine Kinnear. 
Um, her character, I feel like she's the most cold from the beginning. Where it's yeah, like you can yeah. you can tell that she is like something's gonna go down, and it's probably gonna do have to do with her because so the dad the dad and her have a way different dynamic. He's you know much more uh, outgoing and dorky, yeah. you know, typical dad. But she's very reserved. She's very calm. And, like, you could tell she's precise about what she's doing all the time. I just wanted to say, like, I think she perfectly reflects as minorities. You don't like palm shrinks, right? Yeah. You don't like people in my head. I don't like people in my business. The last thing I would want I'm not is going somebody... to therapy, fool. Yeah, I'm not going to therapy. <laughs> and so her character is, like, the, the, the evilest depiction of that. Like, that calmness is not okay. Like, there's something brewing. It's like know? that unrealistic thing we're talking about where it's, like... Uh, the heightened fear yeah. of like I don't want a psychiatrist to get into my head because she'll put me into the sunken place. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's I feel like it's it, she it perfectly encapsulates that character. And what I wonder about with them is like I get curious the more like when I watch it this time I, I get curious about like what are the conversations that they're having behind closed doors? Like, do they True. have some sort of plan? Are they doing? Are they saying these exact things to have some sort of reaction? Or are they really just like going with the flow and just seeing what, you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. yeah. And it just makes me curious, like, you know, what are the dad and the mom saying behind closed doors? Like, are they, do they have some sort of plan? Is it more just like free flowing and they just kind of like, it feels free flowing. It does, but look at them. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're calculated people. So it just makes me, you know, think about it. Cause that. I could also make me think about, um, they have all these people coming over. And is it really once a year? Or is it every single time they get somebody and they're like, oh, this party's once a year and they put the people in the uncomfortable situation? Because at the end, it's crazy how the first time you see it, it's just kind of like he's meeting all these people. But so then you see it as it's a fucking auction sale. And then it just kind of goes back into like that, that brewing, that this is the worst thing that could happen to me. As obviously as being a minority, like they have that fear of being in, in a white crowd like that. But again, the worst thing that you could imagine is actually happening. They're selling you. Yeah. You know? And I think, um, I forgot why I got into that, but that's like that, that, um, I completely forgot why I started talking about that. You're good. What you said. But, uh, no, I like what you're talking about that because like that really is like, they're like betting them like they're like you uh, I, I like to call oh, the calculatedness like that's yeah. what it, that's what it's also because like you you would think that these conversations that they're having at first like they're just these income like these white people are out of place they're just saying these things that like people say like not knowing you know they're just trying to like you almost it, like it's white people i love that you I mean? brought up the t- uh, the golfing one because he's like and i know tiger yeah conversations like they're meant to come off as like you know racism almost but in reality they're trying to figure out what he does and if they can use him. You know what I mean? Like, that one lady's talking about sex. The one guy's talking about golfing. And then you have Stephen Root's character who finally's like, no, no, you're what I want because of your eyes. You know what I mean? And it's just like so uncomfortable. And something else that I really like about that scene, about that party scene, is at the very beginning of it, what is it, Georgina and Walter, right? Yeah. The groundskeepers, air quotes, they're the ones that are greeting all the people. And they're giving them these super long hugs and communicating with those people. And you think like, okay, but why would, you know, the the, the groundskeeper and the housemate be greeting all these people and acting like it's because they're, you know what they're I mean? Right, they're because they're, it's their procedures. fucking party. Yeah. Like it's their party. It's their family. And it's just like, damn. Like you don't think about that the first time, but upon like third and fourth time watching, I'm seeing it like. Well, there it is you know what i mean like all these little things laid out by jordan peele it's me. all there for you it is and that's just like these little things and i'm sure i'll watch it again i'll be like there's something else you know and it's yep. just it's impressive it really is 
so fucking good. When you when you can just rewatch a movie over and over again and keep pulling new things out, that's how you like. That's a fucking good movie. Which, you know? And he's not even trying to hide it. That's no. the thing. It's just it's so, so obvious. It's like some like natural almost that you're just like not thinking about it, and then it's like, oh wait a minute, what the fuck? Like you know, it's just go ahead, it's crazy. No, I was just gonna say which kind of segues into like two other characters which I think are worth bringing up besides Georgina and Walter is Lakeith Stanfield's character. And also um, the brother, which is you kind of talked about him, Jeremy, right? But how the, the movie begins with them, honestly, and like in the first viewing, you have no, you don't make that, you can't possibly make that connection up until you see. You just see a guy get kidnapped. And up until you see Lakeith Stanfield's character in the future, and you know, it's like, well, I saw something sketchy going down in the beginning, so I know it's not him. But then Gus even said, like, if you notice, <laughs> it's his, it's his same Jeremy same car in the beginning that takes Lakeith Stanfield's character. Mm. And so then it's like, okay, again, we, we basically caught them doing this to somebody whenever it was last week or whatever. We don't know the timeline, but those are things that once you watch the second or third time, you know, you can make those connections because then you're like, oh, what Daniel Pulio's character gets into Jeremy's car, it's there you make there you can make the connection. Like, That's the same car. And there's the whole helmet thing, which is weird because like, I see a lot of images a lot of time of like uh, Daniel Kaluuya is wearing that helmet, but it doesn't happen in the movie. So I wonder if it's really? like some, yeah, like some. Is that what he wears when he kidnapped Daniel, or when he kidnapped Lakeith Stanfield? I thought he was wearing just like a mask or something. Or what is no, it? Do you like, know what it's the like helmet? a like cross helmet, I think. Or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like a big helmet. I noticed it. Yeah, because he picks it up in the car. He's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, before he takes off. Exactly. And then I maybe I missed it again this time, but like, I, I, I swear I've seen pictures of Daniel Kaluuya is like just stills. Oh, Daniel Kaluuya's character wearing that mask. And I Maybe it's just something. a promotional still, though. Yeah, Or like exactly. a cool behind-the-scenes shot. Yeah, that's what I um, Speaking of the brother, it's played by Caleb Landry-Jones, and if you've seen him in anything else, you would know that this is like a perfect role for him. He basically does this all the time. <laughs> I think the last movie you saw him in was that movie, was it Nitrum or whatever? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nitrum. anyway, there you go, right? So he's not really going too far off of his comfort zone to make movies like this. I think it's kind of cool, though, you know. You need the guy to be creepy and weird. You get him. He got, he got, <laughs> he got you. you. Him and Jesse Plemons need to play brothers at some point. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like he is, you know, okay, the thing about the car, when he gets to the house for the first time, you don't see him come by car. He's already no, he in the house. Know, yeah. You know, he catches him in the backyard or whatever. Uh, very aggressive. I feel like we've all come across people like this. He's You're like, douche, oh, dude. God, someone's either younger brother or older brother. We're not talking about your brother, Nate. If he's hearing this, we're not talking about you. <laughs> we're not talking about your brother either, Alvaro. <laughs> just some clarification. But, you know, you've gone to someone's house before where they have a brother or sister, and you're just like, oh, fuck. It's exhausting. Yeah, I mean, especially if this is, like, someone you're dating or whatever, I can't imagine how much that would suck to be like, dude, I hate seeing their brother or their sister or whatever. And um, he is a very obvious character as well. The more you watch it, the stuff he's saying, oh, your build, your genetic makeup, have yeah. you ever done this? Oh, do you think about UFC fighting, you know? Um he just unsettles me, and I mean, a good horror movie needs a character like that. Yeah, I, I I'm, sh- I'm sure he does a lot for the family because you know he's the. F- I, I believe he's the first person we see. You know, I, it's his car and everything, right? But I don't know if that was Lakeith Stanfield was his catch or he was sent to retrieve him. Like, oh, I'm setting him up. He's gonna be there. I need you to go. You know, yeah, choke maybe. him out and bring him. Maybe. Or was it like, did he make friends with Lakeith Stanfield and then? set him up you know like it just leaves me so many i have more questions about this family than we do answers really even though we learn too much information about them (laughs) 
the the thing about Jeremy, his character, is like he feels the most like um, open about what's going on almost. Like he's not trying to hide it. He's licking his chops the whole movie. Dude. Yeah, he's like he's sitting there twiddling his fingers like a fucking evil, you know, an evil guy. But and then you can see like the reaction of the mom and the dad to him sometimes it's like, yo, like kick it the fuck back kind of thing, like you're out of pocket right now. And it's just it's an interesting dynamic. Because at, at first you take it as like, no, he's just, a, you know, he's a douchey older brother. When in reality, like, you know, he's, I don't know, he's something else. He's my favorite type of film character to hate. And even before he's being super obvious, that dinner scene where he's talking about like, and we drank the liquor, and I made out with the hottest girl. Shut the fuck up! I, 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 I hate movie about. characters like that, you know exactly. what I mean? So, you know, he's a character I love to hate in this movie. For real. Um, so many hateable characters in this movie. <laughs> he stands out. Shout out Walter and Georgina. I don't have their names on me right now, but those two actors give yeah. tragic performances. You know what I mean? Marcus, like, it's yeah. it's so sad to watch to watch and then to, get you know, get the reveal that they're probably some of the first yeah. transplants. Yeah. Is that what we're going to call them? Trans- Coagulist? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. But, so, Walter's played by Marcus Henderson, Georgina's played by Betty Gabriel, Gabriel. so, um, phenomenal. I do kind of want to get into some of the themes and the inspirations and mm-hmm. things like that. I want to start with the inspirations, because now that we brought up Walter and Georgina, I think that they are, if you've ever seen The Stepford Wives, the original one, or the one with Nicole Kidman, Jordan Peele says that's a huge inspiration for him with this movie, and I feel like they encapsulate that perfectly. Um Another one he said was Rosemary's Baby, which is very obvious now yeah, looking back on it. Because if you've seen Rosemary's Baby, you're like, this is almost the exact same thing. What I thought of as a movie that's also been remade is uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, then it was called Guess Who. Yeah. The first one's got Sidney Poitier and the other one's got Ashton Kutcher. So <laughs> which one do you think is better? <laughs> Although Bernie Mac is in the second one and pretty good in that. <laughs> yeah. The Sidney Poitier one I've seen in uh, film class. But doesn't that feel like a very relevant movie to this one? Like, you could play yeah. them as a double feature? Yeah, very yeah. much. Um, another one I saw was The Shining. Of course. Of course. Of course. Always. You can't make a great horror movie if, you, if you're if you not referencing The Shining. At least a little bit. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, dude. Like, straight up. Yes, yeah. that is another one. That is the name you had thought about calling... The Body Snatchers. Yes, right, exactly. Body Snatchers. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I just feel like the more I watch this, too, and the more I've seen these other movies... It's just nice to see how you can kind of take this idea, mash it with this other idea. What if I made Rosemary's Baby? That's also kind of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which is also kind of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I mean, that, that's like a when you and your friends are talking about making a movie, you're like, yeah, I'd make it like this oh, and like this. It, and Jordan Peele does it so fucking good. Yeah, he does dude. it, exactly. And then to just add in these themes and ideas that I think we should start talking about. Um, we talked about in the... Us episode that he calls it thoughtful popcorn. You know, he wants to make these really fun movies that are also not hitting you over the head, but just giving you these ideas of this is how the other side thinks, you know, like this is the perspective you've never seen before, like Alvaro was saying earlier. And uh, yeah, I mean, what did you think about like the discourse going around this movie about these themes and ideas? Do you remember how heated of a topic this movie was? I remember there being a lot of like disagreements with this movie and it's just something that that honestly kind of sits unaware red flag red flag why did you not like it yeah that's kind of like you know i don't know there's really not a whole lot to not like about this movie unless like you know you're a fucking racist i guess i don't know like i don't know (laughs) it seems reductive but it's kind it it is if it's not you know what i mean but it's like so i I think what's interesting about this movie is to i guess i would be like a far-right uh person or 
believer, it could come off as PC culture, right? Trying woke warriors. PC yeah. principle. But I yeah. think what argue what gets lost in the extremism of both sides is that we as humans are supposed to do better to try to understand perspectives of any of the people that we have living within us or among us. And I think it's like this is one of those movies that is just presenting the ideas to you. It's not beating you over the head like you're kind of just joking about like you should have white guilt over this. It's like some people just need to know. They don't know. They're yeah. not made aware. Not everybody's from California where it's beat over the head to you like to have white guilt, you know? Some people are in the middle. We kind of were talking about that just for a little bit with the whole Sydney Sweeney thing. Like it's just mm. it's not most, <laughs> most of this state or most of this country isn't built on like having tolerance yet and these movies that like you've said the oscars highlight and it's kind of like shoved in everybody's face like this is this movie is saying a lot or this movie is presenting themes that need to be addressed but it's not beating you over the head with it and i think sometimes if somebody kind of red flags this movie already kind of like as a pc movie it's like you're not even really being tolerant at all yeah this, this isn't like an extreme movie where it's dictating to you why you should feel guilty it's not a documentary it's not something that's like even like even like don't look up where it's kind of just making everybody feel guilty it's not like that it's it's just very it's a horror movie that's presenting these themes that i know you guys haven't thought about because why would you have the perspective of a black american yeah and why would you how could you ever really feel the same way that little rel's character feels like because you don't have their experiences but this movie does such a good idea of at least presenting those or giving you that point of view for an hour and 45 minutes and that's like not to be too cliche here but that's like the whole power and message of movie making is exactly. that you can tell these stories and put people in the perspective that they'll never be in because you're talking about the um the movie with sydney Poitier, right it's it's coming i guess it's coming today it's coming today like that movie is the same movie but it was set in an era where it had to be presented the way that it was there need there didn't need to be a rosemary's baby's twist in that movie it just it just had to be a, a very i guess you would call that a, a drama right or it's just a, a movie that addresses these same issues that this movie does but in a very more grounded way and then this movie because we've moved forward with that with cinema we like to blend genres now we try to make unique ideas so this movie is all of the things that you're talking about these themes that all of these other movies took in the black experience but then really highlighting it to 2010s what was happening in that perspective and jordan peele's comedic perspective and and, and i think like this this movie i can't really see why you, like, i agree with you guys point for somebody to just be like i don't that movie i don't like it it's it's trying to be too pc or they don't like it to me does really come off as what is your perspective and it's one of those very black and white movies to me Oh man, uh, yeah. I mean, I it does feel weird to just be like, you don't like this movie, you're racist. Yeah. But it, 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 sorry, dude. Like that, so, that's yeah. how we as a the as the owners of this fake hotel feel. You know, you don't stay here. No, but I mean, for real, like it is a phenomenal movie. The acting's off the chain. I feel like there's a lot of like there's a lot of important you know points made in this movie. Um, not even just like the whole race, like there's a lot in there that I feel like people could grab onto. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't like it, then you know I would like to know why, like realistically. I I agree with that point too, because you could take out off to the race part, and it's just dealing with trauma with how exactly. that. Yeah, the motherhood story, like his mother's <laughs> story, that could have been the whole driving force of the whole movie. 
And I mean, if this movie was made by a white director and say it was about a white main character, like it could be that. There's you trauma, know what I mean? there's trust, and there's a lot of themes going around, and you know, and it's, it's not much just... like Martin Scorsese said about Hereditary. You take out the horror, and you still have this wonderful family drama that's like heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. You know, just this amazing film that mm-hmm. just so happens to have all these supernatural elements to it. And I, I was uh, hearing in that Jordan Peele UCLA talk that. He, he's like, I, I like drama, obviously, but I'm much more a fan of genre and using humor and things like that. And he's like, why does it have to be so serious? So I'm taking this really serious idea, but I'm also making it so wild and outlandish that you can't help but see how funny this is as well. But also, it's like, this is extremely fucked up. Like, this is a movie about how... Like, I know we said it, it is a movie about race, but it's also a movie about how the system just doesn't fucking work yeah. and how this only benefits the rich. You know what I mean? So it's like it's got a little bit of class stuff in it. It's got some race stuff in it. It's got humor. It's got gender dynamics and things like that. Also, this movie was written while Obama was the president. So a big misconception about it was that, you know, Donald Trump got elected into office and Jordan Peele's like, I'm going to make a movie about 2016 and 2017 or whatever. He said that it was written in, during the Obama times because as a society, we were living in a post, a post-racial timeline, allegedly, where racism doesn't exist because a black man is the president. Yeah. And that's something I've heard before in person. So I know that that's a real idea idea that people believe if anything it went into hiding you know what i mean and it fucking festered rather than it's not it did not go away that's what i think that's like a perfect point that you brought up is i think that there's a character that's when they're trying to figure him out kind of asks like black is in fashion now yes and that's like kind of what jordan peele said about black fascination in filmmaking right now it is in fashion and i mean hopefully it stays that way but jordan peele is already well aware that this could just be a phase and i think it's it's that is that in when this movie was built there was a you could see the evilest of, of white people maybe right like what is what is shown in this movie being like our next step is to try to turn black because this is where the world is moving forward and that that transcends color because it could it's not about them being one to be black it's about them staying on top mm-hmm. and they feel as if their positions being taken away which I think is a sentiment that has only expanded since then with the Trump presidency white replacement theory they feel yeah. threats yeah. <laughs> and so I, I think that's what this movie like obviously right now it happens to tend to be with black Americans but it could that trend could change and it, this movie could be made we talked about like. Maybe when they know that, you know, Latinos are supposed to be the majority at one point, like this, that, that would be it. That would be it too. But this movie isn't just about, isn't necessarily just, let me tell you about the black experience, even though it has so much and opened so much for that. So what do you guys think, and I'm probably carefully, tread carefully on this topic about the one Japanese guy. Oh yeah. That's so that's guy. also an, an uh, uh, not an illusion that is kind of an homage to rosemary's baby because uh in our climax of rosemary's baby we also see one japanese man and i don't know exactly what roman polanski is trying to say because i don't be listening to what roman polanski is saying about nothing but uh jordan peele said in his movie it kind of reflects you know there's this idea of the model minority minority, right and i'm not even going to get into what that means because i don't want that to be taken out of context that that's what i think but we all have heard this story before um but also that it's he wants it to be like seen that this has become an international issue as well Mm -hmm. that this is yes this is the view of a black american but this could be happening to black people all over the entire world which 
Sadly, this isn't just an American yeah. issue. This is just we have the spotlight on this shit. Yeah. America's the best at this. Yeah. <laughs> America is, is the only country that I guess actively tries to act like we're trying to make all our citizens equal, right? Yeah. And so all the other countries kind of don't lie about it. Yeah, that, it's like, true. So you don't expect you're like, of course things are different there, but here it's like they try to give you the illusion. Hey, man, it's a melting equal. pot. Everybody's equal. We all know that's not true. It's not true. And I think um, yeah. So. I, just to kind of answer your question, I think that basically is to show kind of what I was saying too, that it's just about staying on top. If black is in fashion, then we should be black and we should continue to do what we do, but we'll do it as it's even It even has messages about capitalism too, because it's like, this is transactional. I mean, I don't know if they literally bought him because we don't see a exchange of cash, but you that's what the illusion is, right? Like, yeah. Is that they're, they're paying... They're paying for Daniel Kaluuya's body. Yeah. They're members of that group, the Kuala. It's literally modern day slavery that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So this has to do with capitalism and how it's branched out into the entire world as well. Mm-hmm. If it is an international thing, that not only is this just a, a race issue, that this is becoming like a, a class issue and a, a money thing, really. I think I did want to bring up, you said the themes of him talking about like the sunken places where you kind of go... When you feel silenced. And it's because sometimes I think it's not like this as much anymore. But even 15 years ago, like, if you wanted to really, like, what's the right word? I guess become an American before or just really not stick out like a sore thumb. He had to act white. And I think as a minority, like, that was the truth for a long, long time. You had to bury who you were, really. Mm. And I think that's not where we are anymore. It's like I don't changing your name. Way. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to go by my real name. You can call me Jeff. It's like, like me, like me sometimes, you know? Like, when, when I go, even as simple as people don't know how to say my name, I just say Al. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, the, when it, that's Americanizing it, you know? And it's like, it, that's the lowest extent of it, though. But before people took their whole, it's like me making a whole business as my name is Al. So people feel more comfortable with you being having a quote-unquote American name. And I think that this movie is kind of like, it, it kind of talks about that too. Like the sunken place, you talked about kind of putting that person in the back of you. And like there's situations where those black Americans in the past were like, this situation is fucked up. And that voice that's really them was telling them that. But they just had to act American, act white. And they just had to be a whole other person. Something that really, that reminds me of that idea and that topic that we're kind of on right now is like, you know, the, I guess the blending in and the, you know, subverting who you really are to fit in and, you know, I guess get along well is in winning time. You remember the, mm-hmm. the HBO show about the Lakers is when you have Magic Johnson's dad and they have a whole conversation and Magic Johnson's dad gets mad at him because he's like, why are you acting like this? And Matt Johnson's like, what do you mean I'm being me? And his dad is basically saying, well, I've spent my whole life trying to agree with white people and do what they tell me to do just so I can provide for us and get along. And it's just interesting to see those two different sides and how things have changed exactly. and how that's hopefully not as normal as it used to be. You know what I mean? So it's just interesting. Yeah, and apparently that's woke. They're trying to be yourself. Like, I don't want to hear that PC message in movies. Yeah, like, exactly. Why is it PC saying that, like, I feel like I can't be myself? Yeah. I don't want to hear that. Be like, woke. (laughs) It's awful. And uh, that's kind of the battle that it's not, I don't want to give it the the relevance of saying that it's a real true battle because I don't want to make it seem like these people are even valid. Right. But when you see this stuff about movies with people of color, or you see movies that are made by women starring women, and it's just, 
instantly written off by a certain subculture of the film Twitter world and film YouTube and all yeah. that. It's so fucking annoying because it's so obviously just hate that you're trying to mask as criticism when exactly. you don't even have valid criticism. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's one of the more annoying parts of what we do. And I mean, we've never dealt with that ourselves because, I mean, <laughs> we're on the right side of things. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, or the left. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, woke liberal warriors, dude. Um, <laughs> but dealing with that kind of stuff is so fucking annoying. And seeing it every time, you know, why is John Boyega being a Jedi? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why is, uh, why are they making She-Hulk? Why are they making the MCUification? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just so sick of seeing all that shit, dude. Because honestly, as a minority who has not seen that much representation in my lifetime, I've had to just... <laughs> kind of like what Oliver was saying with like the blending in. I've had to take these stories that are not about me, not about people that I relate with, and try to just sure, like yeah. feeling like an outsider in the thing you love the most. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. huh, that'd be cool if they made a movie about us one day, right? Or that'd be cool if, if Apocalypto wasn't the only movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, made by Mel Gibson? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, Prey. Prey was the latest example of this because it starred a woman because it was about a Native American. It was, you know, it's just got all this hate and vitriol, you know what I mean, that is... Uh, is not deserving. Have you seen Prey yet? Yeah, I fucking love it. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, let's go, Predator's back, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. The main reason I had said we should do an episode talking about all the movies of the summer is so I could talk about Top Gun and Prey. Yeah. <laughs> Prey is Prey's really good. I keep like hovering over. I'm like, oh, no. You need to see it. I'll, I'll watch it then. I'll watch it tonight. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, you of all people but, need to see all right, it, Nate. Right. <laughs> I will say. I will say that this is a. Educate yourself. This is a take. That I'm is, the problem. <laughs> this is a take that has been around since the inception of creative stories. I mean, um, Ray's character for Star Wars got it the most in terms of there's the whole term, right? Something. She's Sue, a Mary Sue. A Mary Sue, and that's been used before in just writing. You know, like they dismiss stories. We like she just gets to do it because she's a woman. But it's like that has always to me been an excuse to not have real criticism over the story. Because if that's really something you believe, what is your example of her, right? It's like you're just throwing that out there. And I think what you're talking about at one point, it's like these things have to happen this way because we need to have representation. Like women, I don't, is it in this country? I don't know. In some countries, there's more women than there is men. So why wouldn't you make a film with the female protagonist? You know, and it's, it's just interesting to me to always dismiss kind of what you were talking about. Just people just use that to dismiss films or any creative venue in terms of, oh, well, you're just getting this because you're a girl. and Or you're only getting to make this movie because it's about race, because you're criticizing white people or, you know, whatever. We're, we're seeing every excuse for why these movies shouldn't exist. And I'm glad that that fucking side does not have any power in this and they just have to deal with it and I love that they're angry all the time. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love watching them cry. I keep crying, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Conservative tears, yummy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, this movie, just to tie it into why we were talking about this, this movie got beat to death with that. And it's interesting because it just doesn't, those discourse don't last and people who kind of felt the way we feel about it that does last exactly and jordan peele's on top baby and that's what you see yeah. like you see the where he's gone from everything and you see like when, when you see people talking about get out now it's because of how fucking phenomenal it exactly. is it's because of how good it is and what he talked about it's not that that other side has died it's dead. because they moved on to the next thing to bitch about like mm -hmm. it's just it's exhausting and you know whatever and there weren't real criticism so yeah. they don't stand so i think we've 
had a nice conversation about this movie. Mm-hmm. And I would I would like to bring up because I I've, I've wanted to bring this up earlier and I just got I got so caught up in the conversation. But uh the score, Michael Abel's oh, yes. yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. These Jordan Peele movies um, I feel like they would be lesser without Michael Abel's score. We talked about how Hitchcock had like Bernard Herrmann, Spielberg has had John Williams, and I feel like this Jordan Peele Michael Abel's collaboration, the way that the audio and the visual blend together is just oh, it's so perfect. I just remember watching this movie for the first time in the theater and it opening with Redbone by Donald mm-hmm. Glover, and right. it's like kind of like just going through like the suburbs and stuff like that. I was like, oh, here we go, yes. baby! Like this is gonna be it, you know? Yeah, and then the, the when the score kicks in yeah. after, woo, so good, so good. But I just wanted to bring that up really quick. Um, let's talk about the rankings here. Okay. I know you haven't had time to on this podcast to discuss your feelings about the other two movies, but I'm going to say Ro go first. Rank these three movies, Jordan Peele's career so far. Okay. I've had a lot of time to think about this because we've had three weeks to talk about it. Um, get Out, No Bus. Okay. So what do you find? Nate? I honestly, you know, it's really tough for me. I love, I love Nope, and I love Get Out, and I like Us a lot. So Us is gonna be my number three. Um, I honestly want to put Nope at number one. I do, um, but I don't know. They're so different. I know that's the problem. Is because like I, we were talking about it before we got on, like started recording, and like Nope is a lot of visuals and just you know a lot of feeling almost, and then Get Out is just so story driven and so like you know important. But fuck, dude. I think nope. the thing is like Nope is such a spectacle. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna put Get Out number one, Nope two, and then I'm gonna go um, us three. So same as Al, bro. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm gonna put Nope one, Get Out two, and us three, and um. I do think it's because, for me, like Alvaro said, the spectacle, the imagery, the IMAX, which I don't know if that's really fair to say because that's not how I'm going to watch that movie for the majority of its, my lifetime. But for me, movies is so much about the, the audio and the visual. Sometimes I will put story second. And I think in this case, the, just the powerful imagery in Nope is maybe one of the greatest things I've ever seen. So for it's that is why it's number one for me. And number two is Get Out because I, I do think it's like a, a very important movie. Like that shit should be in the National Registry where you can watch it for free one day because like it's historically relevant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, us, I just think it's the most flawed, but somehow I do think it's also the most ambitious that the maybe idea in it is so damn problem. big. Yeah. Um, and I do, we have talked about Jordan Peele wanting him saying he wants to progress each movie. Like, no, I want to make an even bigger movie than Nope now. Um, yeah. I'm a, nope. I feel good saying Nope number one. Even I, though I've only seen it one time. Yeah, and, like, I think a big thing for me is that the theater experience I had with Nope was horrible. Really? I had to tell these kids in front of me to shut up twice. Uh, Boomer! And I've never, that's what I know. I know. I saw it with my girlfriend, and we were sitting there, and they were talking, and, like, on the phone throughout all the, like, the previews and trailers and all that bullshit, and I was like, whatever. They yeah. talked to Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Fuck, I'm and just leaving. Fucker. Shut up, dude. No, no but, love for cinema. But then the movie starts, and they're literally just talking full volume. And like 10 minutes in, they're still talking full volume. And finally, I was like, hey, can you please be quiet? Had that go. They didn't stop. <laughs> I had to say it again, and they finally stopped. But I was just like, wow, like I can't believe I'm the person at the movie telling me yeah. to shut up. Rose seen me do it a couple times. <laughs> I was in this, or I guess I like that you brought that up, because we talked about in the Nova episode that... um attendance for nope 
was way more than I would have expected. And it seems that he still has that grabbing power in general audiences and critics mm-hmm. in terms of putting a lot of people want to see his movies. And that's not something that a lot of directors can say. It is a little concerning that it's already on demand because that means it's not making the amount of money that other movies have. Like Top Gun, you can only Top Gun, you can only buy it, right? You can't rent it yet. And it's still in the theaters and it's still going pretty fucking strong. (laughs) Top Gun's hard to you can't really compare a whole lot to that. Yeah. That movie extremely Um, (laughs) fucking rips. I do think that because this has been like a weaker summer movie year that, you know, like the rising tide helps everybody or whatever. Mm -hmm. I do think that we're kind of suffering from that this year. And that might be one of the reasons that Nope is not doing as good. Also, just because it's such a departure from his other two movies. Very different. You know, if you are one of those people who is like, I'm tired of how he makes these PC movies or whatever. Go watch Nope. There you go. what the fuck? What, what brother was it? Which one of the Pauls, the dumbasses who didn't like it? What? I don't know. I always get the names confused. But yeah. Whatever. But anyways, just crit- always criticism about movies like this, but it's like, you're just fucking wrong. Because I will, I will say, just in terms of yesterday I was doing some thought, I was looking at, you know, critic scores and general audience scores. And for both, this is his weakest film in general consensus. People liked us more than they liked Nope. Really? Critics and general audiences. And I will say that I think the issue with this movie is that it might have been mismarketed completely because I think people go in there expecting horror. And there's not really... There's horror elements in this movie, but there's not something chasing. And then, I mean, in terms, yes, there is, but it's not like it gets, <laughs> it gets solved. You know, they don't, yeah. they don't... And I think people are kind of expecting maybe us as violence... Or get out is creepiness and i think this movie falls more under the misunderstanding of a ufo that type of aura and i think people don't like that i think people kind of they kind of didn't just sit there and take it as a spectacle that we were watching like it's comment on spectacle what yeah. it is it's kind of talking about it and I, I just find it interesting because i liked you know i guess if you compare them i do like them more assuredly nope between us but it's interesting to see that both the critics and the general audience just seem to like even us more than them. I have seen a lot more people talk about take. Uh, t- talk about <laughs> Nope and like criticizing it and more of like uh, I didn't like this because like it's not PC, but I didn't like this because like I didn't like this. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And like more valid criticism, I guess, or stuff that I could be like, well, I like that makes a little more sense to, like makes sense to me. But at the same time, I'm like. I don't know, because I saw some people being like, well, what happened in this movie? Like, what was this movie about? Exactly. And it's like, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of things going on there that I feel like, you know, I won't really get into it. I'll save that for when we talk about Nope again. But, like, there's a lot of things there that, like, really hit home and just, like, I don't know. Like, Stephen Yoon's character, I loved. Like, his whole subplot I thought was phenomenal. And a lot of people don't like it. And that's what people are criticizing. Yeah, that's what people are like, like, what the fuck is the point of the monkey? So, and it's just like, bro, it's like how past trauma influences your decisions to now and how maybe if you don't deal with it properly, it's going to fuck you up in the end. Like, the same. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, come on now. I showed my brother it yesterday for the first time. It is available on VOD, so we watched it. Yeah, sure, that's how you And that was, 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 but that was his first allegedly too. Even though he really liked it, but then interestingly enough, maybe it just has to do with having influence over somebody in person, being able to explain to them. Sometimes that happens when I'm in the podcast. Yeah, you guys are able to 
I never like, you know what? That movie is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Sheeple. No, I was kidding. <laughs> for him, it was like easily explained that when I told him Stephen Neem's character with the monkey that's only there to show what you, basically what you were saying. Like, look, like, he had all of this happen to him and he learned nothing. Yeah. And whether that's a take on how we serve as Americans or we serve as humans, that's for us to, to comment on. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's there because it also plays in a part that once you find out you know, what it is, what the, what it is, and then they kind of it's like, well, they're both animals. Make that connection, right? Yeah. And again, we'll, we're you're gonna have your time to talk about this, obviously. So we'll save it for then. But I I do think some, I get the valid criticism. Like I said, I guess you didn't like it, but to me, it just worked on so much more. Like to me, that was cinema. Yeah. That movie is cinema. Like that's why movies are made. Any anything else can be made in a book, can be made in a music video, can be made in an art piece. But what I what nope is is cinema. Yeah. On yeah. the big screen, like yes. damn. Yeah. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go off, King. Tell you for. <laughs> I love that. Um, but finishing, I think we should wrap this up soon. But finishing off with uh, us, although I do think that it's the weakest one, it's still so fucking. No, yeah, it's great. It's yeah. because of the score. It's because of the cast, the atmosphere. The, the food, atmosphere is incredible. Oh, yeah. So fantastic. It just has a lot of plot holes. It's the story, but the yeah, but everything else is ten out of ten. You know what I mean. Alvaro had mentioned this though in the pod that other movies with even more plot holes get passes all the time. So it it is at some point you kind of have to throw your hands in the air and be like, this is it, this is a movie, yeah. and sometimes it's literally not going to make sense. And I do think it's still good enough to mask the fact that this kind of doesn't make sense, or what the hell's going like, on? I would still give that movie at like a solid four, if not higher. That's, than a, that's you know what, what I mean. Yeah. Like it's not bad. I think it's just the fact that we're talking about this in regards to Get mm-hmm. Out and Nope. Like that's why it gets in Jordan best. Peele's filmography. Us is a four. With everyone else's filmography, I still think it's a five. Yeah, it's like a compared to most other people's yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just I feel like when you when you talk about a director's movies, you compare them to his other movies. You know what we what did mean? preach about was originality in terms of that's For why sure. it gets a bump more. It's like he's writing these stories. Yeah, they're not coming. It's not just taking source material and fucking it up. It's he's he's writing these, and I'm sure in the creative process I'm writing, you might not like account for some things you know be like oh shit yeah maybe i could have uh guess made a good point would us be better if in the beginning they gave us a blade runner intro and just kind of told us what the tethered were maybe maybe that's all i needed maybe just one of that blade runner yeah. it's like yeah. replicants blah blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. the year is exactly. because if you don't and in blade runner if you don't know that like, what is a replicant what is going what is on happening? why are they yeah. hunting them but it's like okay so if us if you just throw one title card and, and I guess that what's interesting about that movie is the TV in the beginning is kind of meant to do that. Yeah. But it doesn't give you the answer. It just kind of throws it in It foreshadows head. the ending. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really tell you anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Hands but, Across America, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What if I made a horror movie about Hands Across America? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we're concluding this way because this is the end of the three weeks that we've talked about. This has been a lot of fun. The JP3, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And... You can't wait to see where he's gonna go next. I mean, God, do you guys have any any wishes for him? Where he where you want to see him next? Fast and the Furious, Outer Space. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was say, Hamlet, Outer Space. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no. I mean, because he's so original, I don't even think... If someone like me could come up with an idea of what Jordan Peele's next movie is going to be about, it's going to fucking suck. Yeah. Exactly. So I just know that I'm in good hands, and I already have pre-ordered my ticket for whatever. I'm buckled up, and I belong for his ride. The know? last the last thing I wanted to say about Jordan Peele overall, though, is that it's phenomenal that we've gotten these three movies in five years. That, yeah, like, yeah. that is a That's sick five-year run. Yeah. This is Future's mixtape run. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> This is a, it's one of the best runs and like I, I will agree with that guy who got flamed that I do think Jordan Peele's like put some respect on his name dude he's up and coming he's gonna be and is one of the best filmmakers working today. Um and we talked about too because it's kind of overlooked that he had something to do with Black Klansman too produced it produced Lovecraft it. Country produced it hosted yeah. Twilight Zone yeah fucking guy he's out there dude the modern alfred hitchcock bro and even like, all that shit with covid people make up accused of the covid i'm like well this fucker's still pumping out shit so <laughs> seriously so i think that wraps us up thanks for checking back in subscribe to everywhere Click so you never miss anything yeah. check us out on instagram youtube all those deals so happy to have you back nate good can't to wait back. to keep this going good to be back i mean we're approaching that one year pretty fast I dude know. it's coming it's exciting uh let's have a party I, I'm, I, we should shout out that we finally got over 100 subscribers on YouTube. That's pretty cool. That was, I mean, that shit's hard as fuck. Being promoted for, for, through film glasses across America. <laughs> supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Um, yeah, I, that is something interesting. You know, after a certain number, you're like, maybe it's all bought. But after 100, it does feel... Getting a good amount of comments now, we really appreciate that. And also... Um, if you guys ever have any suggestions, just let us know. You know, we'll always check them out. Yeah, we did, we received right? we received a suggestion yesterday, um, and it sounds like something we would we would probably do on our own eventually. So we'll talk about that off mic. But uh, yeah, man, this has been super fun, and I'm glad to have all three of us back. Yep. And I can't wait to keep going. I know. So see you guys later, man. Thanks for checking later. back. In. See ya.